Welcome to Junior L's and Now What, episode 58, interlude 26.5. So I mentioned a few podcasts ago that uh, we got a dog, or maybe last I mentioned we were getting a dog. I can't remember. It's been kind of erratic. But uh, we got a dog. It is a mini golden doodle. So it's not going to be super big. I think maximum weight is probably like 30 pounds. Uh, right now, it's still fairly small. Uh, we got it for... Uh, a couple of things. Um, one, it's supposed to be hyperallergenic, not shed. Uh, it's supposed to be super smart, but also very, uh, I guess, empathetic or sympathetic. So kind of a, an emotional support for especially our kids. Well, uh, this is the first dog we have had as a family. And it's the first dog I've had for a very long time. I had some growing up, but I wasn't typically the one who was responsible for the training and all that kind of jazz. So a lot of this is very new to me very new to my kids and definitely new to my wife. And so we're, we're all learning. And uh, we, we've obviously made some errors along the way, nothing grotesque or terrible, but small things. And one of those is the evolution of the fact that the, the dog, through its puppy energies and its desire to play, is moving away from the licking and loving and more towards the nipping and biting. Not aggressively and not maliciously, but playfully. And with the, especially a five-year-old in the house, uh, it, it makes it hard to want the dog to roam around knowing that there's a risk of injury. And so having said all of that, uh, we had a personal trainer, a, a dog trainer, uh, come up to the house. Uh, she uh, was apparently trained with uh, teaching police dogs uh, how to be police dogs. And so she's got lots of good knowledge and information at her disposal. And I'll tell you what, it, it's amazing to me. It, it, it reinforces all of those principles that I've talked about in the past about you know, by small and simple things shall great things come to pass. It's the little things. It's, it's well, instead of using this leash, use this style. Instead of using these type of treats, use these ones. Instead of using these commands, use these ones. And it's, it's lots of little things, lots of little things, but they're all little. There's nothing massive like, you know, I, I need to go buy this giant bodysuit or anything like that. It's, it's the little things. And uh, she came a week ago. We're going to have her come back next week. And it's been amazing to see the difference already in him. Um, he's, he's already starting to move away from that nipping and biting and moving back towards the licking and loving again. Uh, we're allowing him to roam around the house more because he's becoming more uh, a better listener. So this has all been very cool. So I guess I'm just sharing that this dog situation, I think, is panning out. So uh, it's, it's kind of cool. So as, as I mentioned two podcasts ago, my last interlude, that I've been studying the uh, the Waco standoff. And that's been very interesting. Um, to me, this is like the epitome of um, like the old Western stories uh, where you have like the, the, uh, the religious, um, oh, there's a, there's a word for it out there uh, where you're just, you know, obsessive, uh, not orthodox, because I don't think there's anything wrong with being orthodox necessarily or, or being an extremist when it comes to certain things. I think we all are extreme in certain things. It's, it's where when taking something, religion or otherwise, starts to lead you to make decisions that are ultimately harmful to yourself and to others. That's when things become bad. And that's what happened here. Uh, there was a religion that was organized in the mid-1900s down in Texas or in that area. And uh, eventually, um, as I understand it, uh, the leader of that organization uh, either had died or was near his deathbed. Uh, he was predicting some apocalyptic event. So all of the followers sold all their belongings. They moved to this, not so much a compound, it was more just kind of a piece of land. And the apocalypse didn't happen. And so uh, the, this, this leader passed away. 
and the widow tried to salvage the the the, the land, their their money, their financial situation, as well as the religion itself. Uh, what ended up happening is the, the religion fractured into multiple organizations, primarily two, um, and one of them, a religious zealot, really kind of rose to the top. There were some terrible things happening. One I found very interesting is to kind of, you know, one of them to prove to the other that they were the right one is they said, well, the first person to resurrect a body is is obviously the true. And so they were digging up bodies. They were literally like robbing graves of, you know, four bodies so that uh, they could try to like resurrect these people. So um, really bizarre situation. Uh, what ended up really being the catalyst for all of this is apparently the the, late, the leader of uh, one of these sects uh, who ended up having this compound to himself eventually, this, this part of this land or what was left of it, um, he started buying a bunch of uh, weapons and uh, kind of creating a, um, a scary situation to say the least. He had a lot of women and children there, uh, many of which he fathered himself apparently. Um, he was... Uh, kind of practicing various forms of illegal polygamy, I guess. And uh, I guess they were also starting to get into like the drug trade to some extent. And obviously some of this is, is less realistic and more hearsay because there were a lot of witnesses of what took place on the inside, especially at the end there. Um, but it was interesting because the, you know, one government organization went in there to serve a warrant. There was a shootout. There was deaths on both sides. Um, then after that, there was a standoff that lasted a very long period of time, and it was run by the FBI. And this was another one of those interesting situations where uh, infighting actually caused some of the problems, where there was different factions within the FBI that wanted to handle this situation different ways. And uh, that's part of why it ended so catastrophically. It was not so much because the decisions they made were right or wrong, um, but they weren't really committed to one path. Uh, and it was very divided. It was negotiations will work. And they did for a period of time. They, they released people out of this compound. Um, and so they, they allowed people to come in occasionally and then leave occasionally. So, I mean, it wasn't like it was a total gridlock. Uh, and then there was that group of people who were, you know, the, the you know, we're going to have to attack with weapons. It's the only way we're going to get into this uh, place and get out of this place. And so you know, what was the right decision? What was the wrong decision? At this point, we'll never know. Uh, it is what it is and what happened, what happened. So I'm going to continue to research this uh, in one of my next podcasts. I'll kind of reveal the findings or the, the outcome that I discovered myself with my own research. But um, just really weird uh, situation, to say the least. Um, oh, little tidbit. Uh, as the um, one organization was initially going to go and uh, storm the compound for the, the first kind of the first wave, um, they happened, uh, a, a member of this force happened upon a person and asked for directions and they were obviously some kind of government official. And the person they were asking was a postal worker who was apparently the leader's cousin. So he immediately called him up. And again, this is one of those situations where, um, you know, if things have been done in secrecy, it may have just worked out, but, uh, you know, it was revealed and the secrets weren't kept. So, um, Anyways, we know the result, but uh, I, I do want to keep digging into it because it's rather fascinating. Sad, don't get me wrong, but fascinating. So uh, my wife and I have been hunting to try to find a new show to watch, just as a couple, and uh, we have stumbled upon Haven. So um, when you turn it on, it says it's a sci-fi original, so I assume it originally aired on the Sci-Fi Channel. It is currently on Netflix. It's uh, at least five seasons long. 
or at least that's how long it is on Netflix currently. Um, it, uh, I understand it's based off of a Stephen King novel or a Stephen King series. I have not read it myself, so I, I don't know how well or how poorly it ties together. But it's really interesting. Um, very, very fascinating. Um, I'm a huge fan of Eureka, as I mentioned before, which is, is a sci-fi original. It takes place in a small town called Eureka in Washington, a fictional town. But um, this takes place in a town called Haven up in Maine. But it's kind of a very similar thing, you know, lots of dense forests, uh, you know, humid, stormy, rainy, uh, right next to large bodies of water. Um, a lot of time spent at the marinas or on boats. Uh, to me, it has a fairly strong X-Files feel to it, but without the whole aliens element. Uh, the wife and I are partway into season two right now. And it's definitely a show, the deeper you get into it, the more interesting it gets, like the layers of mystery and intrigue and like character development. Uh, it's really good. So put that out there. Haven, it's a very good show. During this pandemic and this quarantine, we've been doing a lot of puzzles. Uh, I've mentioned some of the ones we've done before. We did, we've got two recently. Uh, one of them is my very first attempt at doing a round puzzle. So um, it's, it's completely round. It's kind of like a kaleidoscope of colors. Um, it wasn't that hard to put together, but it was very satisfying because it was so very different. So that was kind of cool. And, uh, for those of you who have played them, there's a series of games out there called villains. They're Disney villains games. And, uh, it's kind of, um, instruction heavy, but it, once you've played it a few times, it's not too difficult. There's lots of expansions to it. I think right now there's maybe three. Um, and basically you're playing the villain. So it's a little counterintuitive because you're trying to win and you're trying to beat the the good guy. And so the whole point is, is that you're trying to beat your good guy before the other villains beat their good guys. Uh, so it's a very kind of interesting game. Uh, it's really good. It's been fun to play those games. Well, it's kind of, a, I assume, a way to market the game. They did a series of puzzles through the best puzzle maker out there, Ravensburger, uh, or Ravensburger, or however you pronounce it. And so we bought the uh, Robin Hood one, and we've been working on that. And wow, it's actually really, really cool. So as far as puzzles are go, the villains ones, the Disney villain ones from Ravensburger are pretty good. Okay, so let's talk uh, some scripture stuff here that uh, I came across from my studying. And I think the reason why I'm bringing this one up is it really applies to what's going on right now with the pandemic and the uh, uh, quarantine. So uh, this is the book of Mosiah, chapter 18, verse 8. And it says, and it came to pass... Then he said unto them, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for thus they were called. So this is uh, Alma, the first, uh, from, uh, they were, you know, he was down in those people who had gone back to the people of Nephi-Lehi. And uh, this is when King Noah is still in reign. Uh, he hasn't been burned at the stake yet. And so, anyways, behold, here's the waters of Mormons, for thus they were called. And now, as you are desirous to come into the fold of God, and to be called his people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens, that they may be light. So I thought this was really cool, because right now during this quarantine, there isn't a lot we can do to bear another person's burdens physically. But that doesn't mean there aren't things we can't do to help boost people up in other ways. Order them food and have it delivered to their house anonymously. Um, you can do the groceries now, for heaven's sakes. Or, you know, I don't have a social media presence outside of what I do for this podcast, but, um, you know, if, if, uh, people, you know, are, are trying to share positive things, I, I know that I, I watch others that I know very closely, you know, family members, otherwise that have a large social media presence. And, uh, there's a lot of depressing crap out there. 
Uh, I don't think that's lifting us up. Let's let's try positive stuff, people. So, uh, um, anyways, but that was that was kind of cool, and that ties into um, the Book of Mosiah, chapter twenty-four, verse fifteen, and that says. And now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma, so this is the same Alma, and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them that they could bear up their burdens with ease, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. So I have to share that, you know, in my last podcast, uh, I talked about faith and the real world example of, you know, this um, following, not blindly, but following the guidance and the direction of people or a being when we don't really understand why. And I think that, um, you know, as, as we're reading in these passages and we talk about submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord, you know, we're, we're going through this rather terrifying time for lots of people. And it's hard, and it's hard on all of us in so many different ways. And as we've kind of talked a little bit before in this podcast, some of the best ways for us to get on the other side of this to really um, succeed is to try to focus less on ourselves and more on helping others. Because as we help others, even if we can't do it physically, but we can do it uh, emotionally and, and mentally and other ways, what that's going to do is that's going to actually strengthen us and help us to be able to lift our own. Um, we all know the analogy, but I've actually done this so I can attest to it. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who know what chainmail is, like what the medieval knights used to wear, um, people also called it link mail. Um, it's it's not just hundreds; it's thousands upon thousands of little tiny links that are tied together one at a time. Um, I have a chainmail vest that I took about twelve years to make. It's 50,000 links large and about 30 pounds in weight. Um, it's made out of a six by six mesh, for those of you who know what that is, where every link is connected to six other links. Um, this vest is strong enough that it can withstand the impact of things like machetes and knives. Um, I haven't tested it much beyond that, mostly just because that seems kind of stupid, but you get the idea. Each individual link is weak by itself. Um, I can flex it with my fingers. It's not easy, but I can do that. And so you would think that something that's composed of a bunch of stuff that is that weak would then in turn be weak. And that is not true. The more we can knit these things together, literally the stronger we become collectively, which drives us to become stronger individually, which is very interesting to me. All right, so top five. These are the uh, top five things that I really liked about being quarantined. Um, the first one is now I don't need an excuse to not socialize because you know what, frankly, I could be locked up in my house for years on end and probably be just fine. I realize that that's putting it fairly extreme, but I don't need to socialize to be happy. And in fact, I might be happier not socializing. Um, and so, uh, and I, I know I don't stand alone in that particular regard. Um, number two is I can wear PJs all day. Seriously. What is wrong with that? I'm going to argue nothing. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing that would make that better is if you're eating donuts and bacon while hanging out in PJs. Yeah. Uh, number three is I'm going to spend way more time with my family and they might be getting sick of me, but uh, as a whole, it's been great for me because I've really got to see things and experience things 
on levels, depths, and and quantity of time that I've never had before. Especially watching the way my wife helps the kids with their homework and some of the challenges that go along with that and the other things that she does. Um, I am not envious of how hard she has to work, but on the same token, I am envious of the amount of time she gets to spend with the kids and them with her. Uh, it's 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 amazing. So even though I am home, I am working from home, so my hours are still fairly similar, but I don't have to drive, and therefore my commute is zero. Well, you know, up and down some stairs maybe, but uh, it's it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, number four is this has been a great kind of like dry run for when the big one hits. And I, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. Um, there's obviously natural disasters are happening all the time. There's wars and battles being fought all of the time. Um, but whatever we experience today, there's always the possibility of something worse tomorrow. There's also always the possibility of something better tomorrow. So I, I don't want to be a naysayer here, but I think it's important for us to be prepared. What is the old saying? Luck favors the prepared. Um, and so I think this is one of those situations where it's been interesting to see, okay, we've been through this now. We know what it's like to be quarantined and to have to stay at home. We know what we need, uh, you know, entertainment. We need food. We need water. We need all these various different things. And thankfully, we can still go to the store. But what if we couldn't? And so this has been a really cool dry run of that. And then my final item, item five here, is I really like doing this kind of home church gospel study thing. I, I don't mind the church side of things. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is actually teach gospel classes in church. But uh, it's been really neat to have these home personal experiences with just my wife and kids, um, teaching the gospel, taking the sacrament. Um, it's been a unique spiritual experience and one that I would never uh, um, ask for back again. I mean, it was it was it, it has been amazing and I look forward to it continuing. Thank you for listening. Be happy. Have a spectacular week. And the next time a stranger talks to you when you're alone, just look shocked and whisper, you can see me? Thanks for listening.